from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm sitting in for Tony today. Happy to be with you on a day that we thought there could be a decision in the Dobbs case that would potentially overrule Roe versus Wade, but the wait continues. So we cover a number of other stories today. I want to remind you, for those of you who are in states where your primary is tomorrow, many states are, go to frcaction.org. Click on Voter Resources to get your voter guide. Helps you navigate through your ballot and understand which candidates share your values. Then it's frcaction.org. Click on Voter Resources. And a quick reminder that you can find this and every episode of Washington Watch at TonyPerkins.com. Today on the show, Netflix has told their employees they plan to continue producing content their progressive employees may not like. In light of what has happened with Disney in recent weeks, does this signal a move back to the middle for corporate America? We'll talk about it. In addition, the latest on a small town in Kansas whose city council voted to remove In God We Trust from their police cars. The community is pushing back, and FRC Action is helping them do so. We'll tell you about that on the program today as well. At the end of the show, what's really causing baby food shortages? And is there any connection between that and the reason all your favorite restaurants seem to not have enough workers either? That's coming up at the end of the program. But our top story today... The Biden administration has been planning to rescind Title 42, a rule that prevents migrants from entering the U.S. during a health crisis. Now, Arizona, Louisiana, and Missouri led a coalition of 24 states in a lawsuit challenging the Biden administration's efforts to lift Title 42, arguing that their state's health care, law enforcement, and education systems would be overly burdened by an influx of undocumented immigrants. Now, on Friday, a federal judge declined to issue an immediate ruling, but U.S. District Judge Robert Summerhays of Louisiana said he would issue a ruling before May 23rd, which is the date the Biden administration has set to lift Title 42. With me now to talk about the situation at the border and more is U.S. Representative Matt Rosendale. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus, the Veterans Affairs Committee, and the Committee on Natural Resources. And he represents Montana's at-large congressional district. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me on, Joseph. It's good to have you. What are your thoughts on the continuing debate over Title 42 and how the Biden administration is handling the border in COVID? Well, Title 42 is just a very, very small part of what we need to make sure we keep in place, quite frankly, to uh, secure our southern border. But the bigger argument is the millions of people that have been coming across the border since the Biden administration took uh, control. Uh, we started talking about this in November of 20. Uh, anticipating that this is exactly what was going to happen. Title 42 is a public health standard. It's a public health statute. Uh, again, that's supposed to be used when we have a communicable disease in another country and we have a big influx of people from that country that we're able to keep them from coming in. But the bigger conversation needs about uh, be about the United States gaining or regaining operational control of the southern border. We had nearly 2 million encounters on the southern border last year. We had 750,000 what they call getaways. These are these are people that actually uh, got into our country without having any type of contact with Border Patrol or law enforcement. Uh, so we have having a an invasion that's taking place on the southern border right now. And unfortunately, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, Mayorkas, is doing nothing about it. He has completely violated his oath of office. Uh, a year ago, he said he had a plan. Everybody said, OK, what's the plan? We're seeing his plan play out right now. His plan is to open our border up and allow it to be completely invaded by people from about 160 different nations uh, come in and, and integrate into our country illegally. Now, Congressman, you joined 16 Republican colleagues in introducing the Border Safety and Security Act. Uh, tell us more about that and what you hope that will accomplish. 
And that was uh, uh, put together by my good friend, uh, Representative Chip Roy from Texas. And it goes directly to the heart of this conversation. And that is about having operational control of our border. And until we have operational control of the southern border, we shouldn't be allowing any of these folks in. Uh, whatsoever. You know, and we need to use every tool that is available to us in order to gain operational control. The Remain in Mexico uh, policies that the Trump administration had started implementing. I introduced legislation last year to put that in statute so that when people came to our country and tried to claim asylum status while they were waiting a hearing to determine whether they were eligible or not, they weren't released into our country. We need to make them wait in Mexico uh, in order to uh, uh, get to the hearing date, uh, we need to make sure that we have the agreements in place with the Northern Triangle countries to keep those residents there. Again, we need to implement every single one of these provisions, including Title 42, to make sure no one is coming across the border until we can establish operational control. Operational control means that we're not going to have a porous border the, uh, the definition is actually in statute. You can look at it, and, and we don't have that now. Another thing that a lot of people don't talk about, Joseph, are not only all the hardships of the people that are traveling north through other countries to get to the United States and the hardships that they endure, but the hardships that they endure thereafter as they still have obligations to the cartel. And what about the 105,000 people that died in our country last year from drug overdoses, the vast majority of them from fentanyl that came from the southern border. So we have uh, a, an attack that is taking place on our country right now, a chemical attack, an invasion from the south that we need to address. Congressman, a couple other stories I want to cover with you today. One is the continued wait at the Supreme Court for their decision in Dobbs. Speaker Nancy Pelosi was asked about this over the weekend, and here was her summary of the current state of the Supreme Court. I want to play clip one, then give you a chance to react. Who would have ever suspected that a creature like Donald Trump would become president of the United States, waiving a list of judges that he would appoint, therefore getting the support of the far right, and appointing those anti-freedom justices to the court? Congressman, a fair description of the Supreme Court these days? No, I, I think that we have a, a very, very large difference of opinion, uh, Speaker Pelosi and myself. What we have now are Supreme Court justices that are actually uh, making determinations based upon the Constitution, not upon laws that they would like to see implemented. And what we do know right now is this information was leaked out, and whether the actual leak was a crime or not, I'm not sure. I'm not an attorney. But I can tell you that my understanding of the law is that these people that are protesting on the uh, properties or nearby the properties of the justices trying to influence the outcome of a court decision, that is a crime. Congressman, another question I want to get to with you. Energy prices continue to be an issue as the Ukraine war continues to affect that other factors as well, one of which has to do with our domestic policy. Uh, over the Biden administration last week, canceled major oil and gas lease sales pending before the Department of the Interior. They're saying there was no interest in them. Others are saying differently. What can you tell us about that situation? Well, I think that it was demonstrated very clearly from his very first day in office that uh, President Biden canceled the Keystone XL pipeline and canceled the leasing opportunities for oil and gas on public lands. And we saw an immediate increase in the, uh, the cost of energy around the globe. Uh, they saw that that production was going to go down. Right now, we have reduced our domestic production by 2 million barrels a day. We were at about 13 million barrels a day when Biden took office. We're down to about 11 million barrels a day now. And obviously, the uh, cost of crude oil or the value of crude oil is based on that uh, global supply and demand. And the global supply has gone down because our supply has gone down. And, of course, the demand has increased because we've come out of COVID. And, and that's where we have seen the uh, cost of energy almost double 
Uh, gas prices now are up at the record highs of about four dollars and fifty six cents a gallon, and diesel prices are up at five dollars and fifty six cents a gallon, right in that neighborhood. And this is hurting the people at the lower end of the income scale the most, and it is directly uh, a result of the poor, poor policies that this administration has put in place. If the Speaker Pelosi wants to talk about uh, decisions being made of people that aren't fit to be in certain places, well, I will tell you right now what we have, what we see on the border, what we see with these oil and gas leases is a lawless administration because the courts have ordered the Biden administration to open up the leases on the oil and gas for uh, the public lands. The courts have ordered that they start implementing the uh, Remain in Mexico policies so that we can make sure that we don't have an invasion taking place on our southern border. And this administration has demonstrated they have a complete disregard for these court orders, unfortunately. Congressman Rosendale, one other topic I want to cover with you, Ukraine. We referred to that earlier. Everyone wants Ukraine to beat Russia. Most Americans are not supportive of sending troops to Ukraine, but we're doing a lot else, a lot of other things for them, including sending money, munitions to them. But Senator Rand Paul had some words of caution on this. I want to get your response to clip four. Let's play that. If this gift to Ukraine passes, our total aid to Ukraine will almost equal the entire military budget of Russia. And it's not as if we have that money lying around. We will have to borrow that money from China to send it to Ukraine. Congressman Rosendale, what's your reaction to that? Hey, unfortunately, Senator Rand Paul is 100 percent correct. We don't have the funds to do that. It's going to be borrowed money. Meanwhile, we have an invasion taking place on our own southern border. It's amazing to me the amount of people that are willing to send $40 billion somewhere overseas to secure someone else's border, but they're not willing to do it on our own. Uh, nearly a billion dollars of that that they voted to, to send to the Ukraine is going to go to non-governmental agencies that for undisclosed purposes. $54 million is going to go to the CDC. We've already sent 13, almost $14 billion over to the Ukraine. It's just a shame that so many people would put uh, those priorities in place of protecting our own country when, again, we have a chemical attack that's taking place right now with 105,000 lost souls in our own country last year alone. When we, with the COVID relief packages of the trillions of dollars spent, we know at least $100 billion of that was stolen. There's also been discussions about putting safeguards into any Ukraine aid that is given to make sure that there's transparency, that we know where it's going. Does that continue to be a concern with Ukraine, Ukraine funding? I think it's an unrealistic expectation that we're going to be able to track those funds once they leave our shore. I just don't see how we're going to be able to do it. So what do we do? I voted against the legislation. I mean, that, that's what I was sent here to do. I was sent here to look out for the best interests of the people of Montana and the people of the United States of America. And while we do not want to see Russia uh, take over uh, Ukraine, and it's very unfortunate to see the, the innocent loss of life and suffering that's taking place there right now, uh, we have to be realistic about what's going to happen when we are sending money someplace that we don't have control Congressman over. Congressman Rosendale? We are out of time. We're grateful for your time today. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much, Joseph. Thank you. Coming up, does Netflix's recent action signal a move back to the middle for corporate America? We'll talk about it when we come back. Join Family Research Council on an exciting two-year journey through the Bible. FRC's Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into the cultural issues of the day. God has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. By studying the Bible, we can see God's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of Scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future. The Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. 
you can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org slash Bible to begin this journey through the Bible today. Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of Scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org worldview email. Want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Again, search Stand Firm and download the app today. Welcome back to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony today. If you're looking for primary voter resources, go to frcaction.org. Click on voter resources. And the website for this program is is tonyperkins.com. You can watch every episode of Washington Watch there. Last week, Netflix updated its company culture guidelines to include a warning to employees that, quote, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful, end quote. The warning goes on to state, quote, if you'd find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you, end quote. Now, you may recall that last fall there were protests over Netflix's plan to stream comedian Dave Chappelle's stand-up special, The Closer, during which he makes allegedly transphobic comments such as, gender is a fact. Might the updated culture guidelines be indicating a movement back toward neutrality for companies who have been watching the backlash over Disney's woke activism? Joining me now to talk about this is Justin Danoff. He's the head of corporate governance at Strive Asset Management. Justin, welcome back to the program. Hey, it's always great to talk with you, Joseph. Well, I'd love to hear your reaction to the, the what was your reaction when you saw this Netflix memo? What does it mean in the larger debate over the corporate role in the culture wars? Yeah, it's a great development, right? Because we think that corporations are going to achieve the best level of success, both for their customers, consumers, and their employees, if they stay focused on their mission. And I don't think that Netflix was founded with a mission to be a voice on every single political issue of the day. My guess is they were founded first to crush Blockbuster, which they did, but really to focus on content right, to be the greatest content generator that you can. And now not everyone is going to agree on what the best content is, right? But what we have seen in the last, you know, couple of months and really in the last few weeks is I think corporations are starting to wake up to the idea that focusing on all of these externalities is something of a distraction from mission. So we think that companies that are going back to focus on their mission are really doing a great service, again, to their customers, but also really to their employees and to use the, you know, the, the parlance of the day, 
all of their stakeholders will be better off if companies stay focused on their, their original mission. Now, missions can be updated over time. But again, I, I think that a lot of these externalities that fall under the banner of ESG, we can think of them as a luxury good. That while everyone's getting fat and everyone's making money, sure, you have time to spend on all of these external things. But I think if you're looking at Netflix and you're looking at the reduction in the stock price as people are you know, struggling, everyday Americans are struggling under the current economy, right? And you decide, am I going to buy food for my family or keep these 10 streaming services I have? And Netflix is being chopped left and right. And I think the company's looking at the, you know, the quarterly reports and saying, hey, should we spend, you know, $250,000 to bring in Robin D'Angelo to tell us all that we're, you know, <laughs> white people are racist? Or should we focus on our content? And we think that a lot of companies are cutting out um, these externalities when they realize that, you know, the times are a little bit leaner because businesses have to make decisions on budgets just like families do. And I, I, I'm starting to see a trend away from a big push on a lot of these ESG issues. Now, Justin, of course, these companies do exist to make a profit. You mentioned the the hit that Netflix has taken, recently reporting the first uh, decline in subscriptions. Now, how much of this do you think is financial? How much of it do you think is is kind of a, the principle of who we want to be as a company as they watch what happened to Disney, for example? Yeah, I, I think that there's fact, multiple factors at play. I do think the overall macroeconomic problem facing, well, frankly, the world, but the United States specifically, uh, with our with our inflation just running rampant with no signs of, uh, of stemming, I, I think that that plays a part in it. And I do think that Disney's very prominent example of, look, if you go too far, um, there are certain government actors and consumers that are just going to push back. And I think Disney took, uh, you know, a couple of steps too far. Look, you don't go after someone's wallet and you don't go after their children. And Disney went after children. And that's where I think that, again, if, if you know, I were a larger investor in Disney, you know, like I, I think BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street are still the biggest investors in Disney. You can, you can fact check me on that, look that up. But we'd have a simple message. Knock it off. You've gone too far. You've pushed, you're alienating your, your customer base. And look, now there's political actors that are also taking action because you've just gone way over the edge. So I think, you know, Disney is, is a warning case for other corporations. But what we need to see, in my opinion, is more investors stepping up as well, not just consumers and saying, Hey, where are you, wh why are you going this in this direction? This is yes. not Disney's mission. Yeah, a, a related development that seems perhaps related, a PR firm has recently told some of the nation's largest companies to stay neutral on the abortion issue uh, in light of the Supreme Court leaked decision that seems to suggest Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned. Is all of this a trend back toward the middle from really what we've seen in recent years as a really hard swing left for corporate America? Well, it might be the beginning of the beginning, okay? <laughs> right? there, there's still a, a, a strong a strong tilt um, to the policy left on a, a wide array of issues. And again, that stems from a capital markets problem where, you know, the biggest asset managers in the world are still pressuring on these ESG issues. But I do think that that was wise advice uh, uh, from, the, from the PR firm. Um, look, th this isn't even a final decision yet. And again, you tell me, other than Planned Parenthood, what company was founded with a mission to snuff out human life, right, yeah. to, to, to be focused on the issue of abortion? I can't think of a company that was founded with that mission in place. And so, again, we would tell these companies as an investor, like, look, this isn't your mission. This isn't focused. You're not focusing on your customers. Um, and just knock it off. Stay out of it. Justin? And I think a lot of companies are hearing that message. Yeah. In about 30 seconds, what effect do future consumer choices have in these decisions by the corporate world? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, you, you, you can look backwards at your last quarter, but when you're looking at pinching pennies because you know that your costs uh, of your inputs are rising 
absolutely everywhere. I, I, and in the near term, we're going to see costs continue to rise. There's absolutely no abating that's going to happen. And so, yeah, these companies are, are forward-looking. And again, they're both backwards-looking and seeing what happened to Disney and forward-looking. I've got to cut you off because we are out of time. Greatly appreciate your time today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Stay with us when we come back. A Kansas city that has taken In God We Trust off their police vehicles. We'll tell you more when we come back. Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in his image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more. Attention university students, do you feel called to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership? Then join Family Research Council for an unforgettable internship. FRC's 12 to 15 week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive. As an intern, you work alongside FRC's experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in D.C., allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org internships. That's frc.org internships. Welcome back to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony today. Last week on the program, we reported on news coming out of Haven, Kansas, where the city council voted to remove decals with the phrase, in God we trust from police vehicles, something that the police department had decided to do a few months ago. While well, a petition campaign spearheaded by FRC Action has gathered over 19,000 signers and was delivered to the city council ahead of their meeting today in support of keeping in God we trust. And here to tell us more about it is Tim Throckmorton. He's the national director for community impact here at FRC. Tim, good to see you today. John, it's great to see you as well. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to talk to you. Interesting story. For those who may be hearing about it for the first time, why would the city council want to remove In God We Trust from their police cars? Well, according to the meeting minutes, and I was looking at them again, uh, they felt like that uh, uh, this is something that's not appropriate for the police cars to have on them. And however... Uh, as you mentioned, the petitions that were signed by folks who are connected to the Family Research Council around the nation uh, total more than 19,000, and I, I have not delivered them yet. I am delivering them tonight at the council meeting in just a few hours in Haven. But I'm here, uh, met with the mayor today. I talked to the police chief uh, yesterday, and I look forward to meeting a lot of good folks at the meeting tonight. Tim, tell us a bit about your meeting with the mayor. How did that go? Any progress? Well, he does not have a voting voice on the board. And uh, this is a fine Christian man, a business owner, and, and he's a, a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, his pastor will be at the meeting tonight. And, you know, it's a little painful. He wanted to, he, in fact, he called me and wanted to let me know that this wasn't his uh, idea, although the, he, he answers to uh, city council, along with the, the chief of police as well. 
uh, and it went well. He was a very uh, helpful, he's a wonderful believer, uh, and tonight uh, it will come up. Uh, there are some folks that are going to be there to speak to the issue, and he expects uh, perhaps something to happen in regard to uh, whether it'll move forward or, or be turned back. But, you know, he's a good, good man. And that's really here in Kansas. Uh, these are some great folks. And it's just a few on the board who believe that this should come off of the uh, police cars. And, and Tim, tell us a bit about the arguments being made against this. There's going to be a, a city council meeting tonight. You mentioned the mayor. You mentioned the mayor's pastor. Uh, you will be there. I presume many other members of the community will be there. What's the significance of removing In God We Trust from police vehicles? Well, as the the, the letter I'm going to deliver to uh, the city council tonight uh, it, it speaks about with the dangers officers face daily. They certainly need God's protection. And for that matter, this is our national motto. I flew into uh, Dwight Eisenhower Airport this morning. And here is the presidential library of Dwight D. Eisenhower, who, by the way, in 1956 was the one that uh, made... The, the motto of our nation, uh, in God we trust. So it's a bit ironic on that end, but I, I, they, they just felt or the, the members of the city council didn't think the police department was the proper forum to be talking about God. However, uh, 19,000, over 19,000 Americans believe that it is. And of that 19,000, over 500 are from Kansas, Joe. Uh, Tim, it is a sign of the times that a small town in Kansas would think they need to remove the national motto from police vehicles because it says, in God we trust. Uh, we aren't in Kansas anymore, but I guess in this case, we are in Kansas anymore, and there's trouble in Kansas as well. But Tim, we talk about, you, you mentioned the town that we're in. It is a small town, around 1,200 people who live there, but I also understand that we've learned that in the last election, less than 15% of the voting age population in this small town actually voted. Do you think a story like this, a development like this, might change that? Well, I certainly hope so, and I believe it will. It has raised the level of awareness in this community like you and I have seen around the nation when uh, when we discuss the issues and talk about the issues and make folks aware of this, it certainly raises the voter turnout and participation. Uh, Virginia is a prime example of that, but I believe in this beautiful little part of Kansas that these good folks are going to take note of this. Many of them already have, and it's a good opportunity to teach civics. It's a good opportunity uh, to bring them into uh, uh, hosting and uh, facilitating a community impact team and influencing their community uh, for the cause of Christ and for this nation's future. And we certainly hope they will do that. And Tim, we appreciate you and your presence there in leading that response, that gracious but strong and courageous response, because we don't want to be a country that is no longer willing to say, in God we trust. Tim Throckmorton, thank you so much for your time today. You've got it, Joseph. God bless you. We will continue to follow that story. It's a small story, but it's an important story. But coming up next, another significant story. You've probably heard about the baby formula shortage in the country. What's the cause of this? And does it have any connection to the fact that there's no one working at your favorite restaurant as well? We'll talk about all that when we come back here on Washington Watch. 
Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently, it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support. Today, efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common. Therefore, Christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives. Access the Center for Religious Liberty's free resources to learn more at frc.org slash religious liberty. In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong, biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a tech subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony today. You've probably heard by now there is a baby formula crisis in America. What you may not know is that the Biden administration has reportedly been working on this issue for the last several months, as Jen Psaki told reporters Friday on her last day as the White House's press secretary. So if the Biden administration has been working on this for the last several months, why is there a crisis now? Is this another self-inflicted crisis, or is there something the Biden administration has no control over, as U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg seemed to imply yesterday on Face the Nation? Fundamentally, we are here because a company was not able to guarantee that its plant was safe, and that plant has shut down. But that is the federal government's job as regulators to help ensure as regulators. Yes, but let's be very clear. This is a capitalist country. The government does not make baby formula, nor should it. With me now to talk about all of it is Dr. Dave Bratt, the dean at Liberty University School of Business and a former member of Congress. Dr. Bratt, welcome back to the program. Hey, great to be on. Great to see you. Good to see you. First, I want to get your response to uh, Secretary Buttigieg's comments there about what's caused this. Yeah, well, he's the uh, first member from the administration that I've seen uh, acknowledge that we at least ought to live in a capitalist free market society. Of course, we do not. Everything out of the current administration has been state run uh, top down. And we basically have a system failure across the board, whether it's the Supreme Court or the State Department or National Security or the border or CIA, FBI. These are all uh, systematic system failures across the board. And so 
Now you're seeing the greatest system failure of it all, which is the, uh, the, the failure of uh, utilizing free markets and the price system. Uh, so you can blame it on uh, businesses now, but that's after you've uh, inhibited business for two years with COVID disasters uh, and terrible policies from the government, top down from the federal government. And so, and all of this has been aided and abetted by Central Planning 101 out of the Federal Reserve, right? They now have printed $9 trillion uh, on their uh, balance sheet, on the Fed balance sheet, in, a dis in addition uh, to the federal government going $30 trillion in debt and a $5.2 trillion uh, budget, gigantic uh, budget explosion, uh, which all comes at the cost of the free market system. Uh, creating inflation. They've printed too much money. I can go in depth on that if you want to uh, in a minute. But that uh, this is the furthest thing from having a free market uh, society. This is uh, government uh, has caused all the supply chain uh, incidents, and, and he, Pete Buttigieg, is the, uh, is the head of that. So, of course, yes. he doesn't want to acknowledge his failure in this. I do want to get into the inflation part of this, but Good. very, very specifically says there, that this is just a company's failure to prove that they're able to operate safely. Do you agree with that assessment? No, I, I don't agree with that assessment. It, 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 we, we, it, it's all part of a huge piece, which is impossible for our finite human minds to analyze, right? The free market system, it, it, it's, it's an information puzzle, right? And the smart guys on this, Milton Friedman, Hayek, uh, it's it's like a supercomputer that's needed to solve these problems, and, and the price system solves it for us. And so if you let the free market system work, one company's failures isn't going to uh, uh, mess up the entire country. Uh, it's the fact that we're at war uh, without going to war and declaring war, that we've printed money, we've messed up the supply chains, we're declaring war on, on China's economy and Ukraine's uh, economy. Uh, there's all sorts of secondary effects that go through Europe and our other supply chain trends. And so, no, the free market in, in, in itself can solve this in a week. No problem. No sweat. You wouldn't even sweat. So, no, it, it's totally wrong. Well, let's talk a bit about how the market has developed the situation that we have right now, because one of the things that we've learned in the shortage was there was apparently a single plant producing something like 40% of the nation's supply of baby right. formula. Now you're getting Is that there. something right. that should be avoided, could be avoided? Is that yeah. a result of capitalism? How does that play into this? No, I mean, everybody watched Tucker last night. He goes in depth more time than I got to go on this. But the, uh, the baby formula stuff has to go through a government monopoly in order to be regulated properly, et cetera. And then these guys have the nerve to say this is a free market enterprise. And then I think I heard last night 80% of the revenues from the baby uh, thing go back to the government, right? So it's an in-house billing cycle. It's called economic capture. James Buchanan won a Nobel Prize uh, for studying the obvious that government wants to grow itself. Uh, and, you know, look up Jim Buchanan, uh, Virginia School, Nobel Prize in economics, and you'll understand everything that's going on here. Well, President Biden was asked about this on Friday as well, because, of course, this is a big story because, you know, you threaten people's kids in all sorts of ways. It becomes a problem. We've seen this on the education front, school board meetings. And when yeah. you start threatening uh, mother's supply of baby food, uh, people get agitated. So, of course, this is a crisis the White House has to deal with whether they want to or not. So President yeah. Biden was asked about this on Friday. I want to play clip seven and then get your reaction to that taken those steps sooner before parents got to these shelves and, and couldn't find formula? If we'd been better mind readers, I guess we could have. But we moved as quickly as the problem became apparent to us. And we have to move with caution as well as speed. Fair assessment that the only way to avoid this is to be a better mind reader? Uh, yes, uh, for him, given his economic philosophy, that is the proper response. All of human history has been run by pharaohs and kings and despots and tyrants and central planners. And all of human history was marked by $500 a year you get to live on. Your family gets $500. That's all of human history, except for this miracle of free markets. So, yeah, if it's your view uh, that the uh, central government planners, you know, need to guess right on all this stuff, that, that's consistent. They guessed wrong, and you're living in with the consequences of 10% inflation minimum. 
right? Foods, 20, energies, 40, gasoline's 40% up, et cetera. Uh, wages have been flat for 40 years. The only people that walk away rich uh, from the 0708 financial crises are the uh, fat cats and the corporate lobbyists. Uh, and the same thing's happening right now. We've got an everything bubble, which is even worse, right? It's e even more overvalued uh, than the 0708 financial crisis. So there's more to come in. Buckle in, uh, and you're going to see uh, central planning at work in your life. And, you know, it's, it, I feel bad because it's kind of, I'm a Presbyterian economist, <laughs> but I'm kind of a boring guy. And I would preach on this thing, uh, just, you know, God first, always, Constitution, economics, family, all these, you know, it's boring. It's boring until it's not boring. Now you're seeing the not boring part uh, where you're living in, in crises. And so uh, people got to get real. It's these basic principles. We need to stay true to them. And everybody's got a message constantly in favor of these things, uh, which have given you the life you have with the kids you have, with the family and the house you have. It's, it's a miracle. And uh, we need to stick to our knitting. We're talking to Dr. Dave Bratt from Liberty University. Dr. Bratt, last question, I think, on this subject. There are a lot of people who will look yeah. at this situation and say, yeah, but. I mean, this is frustrating, but we don't want... We don't want rogue, dishonest companies putting chemicals into baby formula and having it not be inspected. There's no accountability, sending it to children and then poisoning them. Is that what you're proposing, a world where there's there's no accountability, there's no oversight, so companies can kill children at will? Uh, not really. We got this thing called Twitter now and this thing called Facebook and Wikipedia. There's no shortage of information. Uh, one company does anything bad, the slight, they're going to have whistleblowers inside the company. If they fail, you'll know about it in five seconds. And if you let the market alone, there's this fascinating thing that we used to have, what's called bankruptcy. If you're a firm and you goof up and you goof up baby formula, and if you goof it up intentionally, you're bankrupt. And that's the way it should be. And so, no, there's plenty of information flow uh, in the old days. And now that the First Amendment and freedom is under attack, uh, it's another it's another day. Uh, but uh, no, right? That, that's right. The American people are very capable of policing themselves uh, and let it rip. If, if we have more markets, markets will solve the problem, not cause them. Dr. Bratt, another subject I want to take on with you, an additional shortage that our economy seems to be dealing with. Over the weekend, I was at a soccer tournament between games. We tried to go to one restaurant and get some Mexican food, and they said, we're not open yet because we have diminished hours because we don't have enough workers. We went across yep. the street. They were open, but they had a sign that said, please be patient. We have a labor shortage. Uh, be kind to the people who did show up. Why does it seem that everywhere we go, there's not enough workers, yet at the same time, we hear that a lot of people don't have work? Yeah, yeah. Uh... How can that be? It makes you scratch your head. Uh, that's what happens when you lose the free market system to beat a dead horse. All right. So what you're looking at, really, what's the cause of this? GDP per capita, the income you make per person, uh, has been going down for 50 years. Why has it been going down for 50 years? You can go Google all this at the Federal Reserve. Uh, just go to Fred. Uh, because productivity has been going down for 50 years. And then on top of that, the real interest rate has been in a state of managed decline uh, for 40 years. The real interest rate, the federal funds rate, uh, the rate the banks charge each other, has been 0% for a decade. Free money, who does well under that? The corporate uh, oligarchs do great. Uh, mom and pop, grandma and grandpa get decimated. No savings, no bonds, 0% interest for you. Uh, what's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with uh, the issues you raised? That is why the Fed had to print $9 trillion on its balance sheet. That's why the Fed has gone $30 trillion, the federal government has gone $30 trillion in debt, because it had to prop up a dead economy. The real economy is a corpse, right? And if you want to go Google this in detail, go to Robert Gordon at uh, Northwestern. He's the greatest figure, 30 years, 40-year research project, not the latest headline, uh, not Dave Bratt's opinion, uh, 30 40%. 30, 40-year uh, research project by the, the top in the country, uh, at, no, at, recognized by all economists. It's the greatest on productivity. Go, go look at his YouTube from six months ago. He explains exactly why we are right now. And so how can you have wages going up uh, right now? we got tight labor markets. 
uh, because we pumped all the money into the economy, right? And then, it, 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 and then we've decimated businesses. I got businesses right around me in Lynchburg that are out of business because they couldn't get labor, right? Because there is savings from the checks that went out still rippling in caused by government, government uh, run amok. And so you ask for a logical answer to a system that is no longer logical, right? It's central planning. It's what you expect from the central planners is a loss of rationality, another systematic uh, loss due to uh, the latest and greatest politics brought to you by the, uh, the, the Marxists uh, in power. One other topic I want to get to you, get, it's related to all of this has to do yeah. with inflation. Uh, Jen Psaki, yeah. her final day on Friday uh, as yeah. the White House press secretary, but she had some comments about inflation and the situation that we're dealing with and in the landscape that the Biden administration is working in generally. Let's play clip six, and then I want you to respond. We know that the president, uh, that the big driver of this is the, was the pandemic and the impact on supply chains and, the, and then the uptick in the pandemic with Delta last summer. Then we had an additional challenge, as you've noted some of these, but with the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, which drove up energy prices. And that is the biggest driver of inflationary costs at this point in time. So is Russia driving up energy prices the biggest driver of inflation? No F in economics uh, for Saki. The uh, only cause of inflation, as Milton Friedman explained back in the 1960s when he won the Nobel Prize for Monetary Theory, explaining inflation. Uh, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. You printed too much money. John Taylor's the new guy at Stanford, been around for 20, 30 years. Go look at him. Uh, the federal funds rate right now, if you don't want to have inflation, should be 6.5%, according to Taylor. It's, uh, I think it's at 1%, right? My friend, oh, you actually distorts energy price. You can only buy so much, so prices can't go up. So everybody just look at John Taylor. It's called the Taylor Rule for a reason. It's what the Fed actually follows. If you go follow the Fed, the Fed experts all watch Taylor, and they just refuse to raise the interest rate a little bit because they're scared the market will pop, and it will pop. you got to take the pain somewhere. Dr. Brett? Uh, and unfortunately, the oligarchs have gotten away with it, and the pain has only come to a theater near you. And how do we fix it in about 60 seconds? Oh, it's, it, it, well, you don't get in the ditch in the first place. Right now, they put us in a terrible spot. You got to increase the federal funds rate, increase the uh, interest rate, take a mini recession. Uh, that's going to be some pain, but that'll get rid of the inflation. If you don't get rid of the inflation, that, a horse is out of the barn, they say, and it's off to the races. So you've got to solve that one. Go read about Paul Volcker uh, in the early 80s with Reagan. That's how you solve it. Dr. Bratt, we appreciate your time so much. This is a concern on the minds of many Americans, whether it's a getting yep. a job Good. or baby formula, whatever it is. Yep. And we have such a hard time wrapping our head around what's going on. And we appreciate you uh, enlightening us today. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, everybody go study, get your kids studying and God bless all of you. Thanks for having me on the show. I love you guys. We appreciate you very much, Dr. Bratt. We'll talk to you soon. And do get your kids studied because a uh, people can only govern themselves if they understand what is happening so that they can govern themselves. And to that uh, point, we are thankful to you. You are the ones who make this show possible each and every day. It is our pleasure to be with you and to serve you. We hope you have a great rest of your Monday. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Until then, fear God and nothing else. We'll see you next time. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. 
Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 